This episode is powered by DEN Certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Den Talks Live. We love Hello. doing these. We're, we do these once a month. They're awesome. Is yours on? Is Jay's on? I think mine is on. Yes. I just have to speak louder. Um, we love these because we always get to hang out afterwards, talk more. You get a chance to have a Q&A. So every conversation we have is more in-depth for you guys and more specific for you. So it's why it's always fun to be here. Yes. Um, and we're so happy that it's Jason, our very <laughs> oh own Jason God. Moten, you, who we love. You know what? I, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have to tell you, I, I really feel um, really honored to, <laughs> that you asked me because um, I saw the lineup. I've listened to the lineup <laughs> of Dentalk people, and let me tell you, it's quite a lineup. Miriam Williamson was on. Um, and you, because yeah, yes. you're amazing. Right next to, <laughs> right to Miriam Williamson, I, I really feel amazed and honored. Um, Oh, look, you're one of my favorite people. Yeah. You have an incredible story, and you have so much to share with everyone, which is why I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so everyone, get your questions ready. We always do a personal practice, too, so we'll do a little meditation at the end as well um, after we finish talking. And, um, and don't forget, we like to hang out afterwards. There'll be some drinks, light bites, snacks as well. Yummy. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. And just so everyone knows, our next Dentox Live is October 14th with Shaman Durek. It is actually his book launch. So we're going to be doing that here too. So I know that one will sell out. So make sure you reserve your spots. And Jason, now you're up. Okay. So I am so happy that he's here. I mean, since the den opened, you basically walked in the door really soon after the den opened. And you've been teaching here ever since. Yeah. And I've always been obsessed with him and loved him. And I think part of the reason we've always connected, which I think taps into why we're doing this also, is you are always you and a little different. Like, look, I know we have a lot of Kundalini people here too. And, you know, you walked in and you, you teach a beautiful and amazing class. Anyone who's never taken this class, it's so powerful. Oh, but you do it your way. Like, you're not yeah. always wearing a head covering. You're not always dressed in white. I know some people here might be cursing. But I appreciate that about him because he's still an extremely powerful teacher and a beautiful teacher, and you've never done something that you feel like is not sit well with you. Yeah. I. Well, I, I do feel... I felt the pressure, first of all. <laughs> I did feel the pressure to, um, well, to go with the Kundalini tradition, but at the end of the day, I did feel more called to just being authentic with the teachings and, and bringing that through. So I, I do hope that 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 does come through in, in classes. And, like, and I hope I don't get yeah. burned. <laughs> I hope I don't get burned by my teachers. No, I, but I think this is why it ties into what we're talking about here is it's this choice of yours to make sure you're in line with yourself versus necessarily doing dogma or what you're supposed to quote unquote do, yeah. which I think is full circle to we're talking about your transgender journey yeah. and everywhere you've come, which I love. But like, let's back up even more because... <laughs> One of the reasons we bonded also, besides the teaching, was you're adopted. I mean, you have a fascinating story. Anyway, so you were adopted and lived in Germany. There's a lot going on, yes. Yeah, a lot going on, which is why There's we're going to be here on. for a long time. It's, 
No, but go. So you were adopted, and you yeah. Um, well, I, I where was, were you born? I was born in in Virginia, and uh, I was adopted quite early on when I was just like I think maybe six months or so into a beautiful family. And my parents, mother German, father uh, African American, and. Uh, it happens to be also the same, like my biological parents also, um, not German, but Caucasian and African-American. So, Was that on purpose? Were they looking for They were. Home? They were looking for a mixed um, child. And so I was born into uh, kind of a military brat, military uh, life. My father was military, stationed in Virginia, but... We soon after moved to Germany when I was, I think, at least three or four, so very early. But I do remember, um, I do remember Virginia, I do remember the house that we lived in, and I do remember being very confused. <laughs> in what way? <laughs> Just growing up um, as a little girl. Like, it sounds so strange, but yes, it, it was just so confusing to me. And I was already very aware of it. And I know in the trans community, not everybody uh, comes to terms with their identity at that early of an age. But, I mean, I don't know, at two or three already. I was going to say, so before three. So it's before you yeah. moved, you already were getting a sense that yes, absolutely. something was not right oh, for you. Oh, yeah. I was like, hmm, there's something, there's something off here. It, <laughs> it just felt like I would see a group of... Uh, little boys playing and a group of little girls and I was just like, oh, the boys, those, that's my tribe right there. But for some reason I was always pushed into the other direction and, um, and I just remember feeling very strange and not even, not even the body, the body wasn't even yet an issue. It was just a feeling of belonging in a certain category. And I... I, I didn't tell anybody because it was, you know, I couldn't even uh, communicate that at that young age yet. It was just a feeling. Do you think as time changes, because it's interesting you said belonging to a category. So, no, there's nothing wrong with saying that. But do you think part of that is kind of society putting categories? Like if there weren't that type of separation, do you feel like you would have felt the same way? That's a good question. I think... Um, I think, yeah, I, I do feel there was, there was a sense of belonging to, to this little group of, of people. I could see myself in those little boys playing around and, um, yes, acting different, I guess, and being different than I was, and society was kind of pushing me into um, acting a certain way, being a certain way, and of course, parents too. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, I love my parents, but, but they didn't know. They just, you know, it's. Of course, it's a little girl. Let's put that dress on that little girl. She looks so cute. You know, probably were really cute. <laughs> and it was horrible. It was just. It was horrible. Did it feel like when you when it you'd just, have to wear? I mean, you're making yeah, that face. So like was, dresses. Was that like the worst thing? It that was could happen the to you? worst <laughs> thing. I just wanted to just rip that 
off. Like, did you get in arguments with your parents about it? Like what you wanted to wear? I mean, I'm sure like screaming arguments, tensor tantrums, you know, you know, falling on the floor and beating the floor <laughs> and, and just being a real pain in the butt. But... Uh, did you ever use the words to your parents like... Like I want to be, you know, because now you hear it. I mean, I, I have yeah. a, th I have an almost four year old, and yeah. you do see it. There are some kids that are literally yeah. saying, like, "No, I don't want this. I'm yes. a boy or I'm a girl." Yeah. Or did you ever use words like that that they might have brushed off? Because to them, it those are high souls. <laughs> they, <laughs> they already knew what they wanted, but I know I was very sensitive, and um, and I could feel, I could feel how it was not right in some way. I could feel that it was just not proper. And I don't think I could have even worded it. I, I felt it, but I saw that if I would say something like that, I would just be punished or I would um, just not fit in or be accepted. And so I never said anything. And yeah, I kept that very secret, I mean, for ages, but uh, I, I just went into a deeper and deeper depression, even at a really young age. Yeah. An obvious depression? No, very, very um, undercover depression. <laughs> if you guys know what I mean. Undercover depression for me was on the outside, I was so happy and such a, uh, just really happy kid. And I mean, I feel that is my soul. That is my, my natural being of being very happy and very um, outgoing and social and sociable, but, at the same time, um, underneath it all was a deep, deep sadness, a very deep sadness. And um, I couldn't express that. Only, you know, you, I, I, as a kid, you go into your fantasy world and you kind of build your little ca caves and you do your own little thing, and that's what I would do. And there I would just be so depressed. So how did that manifest for you? Um, well, I would, I would just imagine. I would just imagine being a boy. I would just imagine um, being accepted as a boy and living out that kind of life. And so, what was that for? Like, what did that look like for you? Running around in pants. <laughs> no, really, yeah, as simple as that. As simple as running around in pants, having short, short hair. Just, I mean, kind of a tomboy, and I was, a, in a sense, a tomboy, but it was a lot deeper than that. And, um, and I mean, I liked girls, like, you know, there was that, where it was the boys teasing the girls, and I could see that happening, and I just, I wanted to be a part of that crew, you know? So it just manifests in different uh, fantasies that I would have um, of just being myself, in a way. So you moved to Germany, and did that make things worse, better? Now also, and this might be a naive question, what about being mixed race in Germany? Yeah, I feel like I am a minority of a minority. You of a are, minority that's of why minority. I was like, we can peel this onion like for of a, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really did feel you that way. You clearly picked a whammo of a I life. I did. Right? <laughs> And let me tell you, I, I... Clearly identity was your thing. <laughs> yeah, later on I can tell you the, what my conversations with God were like. Well, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there because... Um, no, but I... Um, yeah, I felt in Germany, I felt... Uh, it just went on and on. It just went even deeper into being unhappy. 
but yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a really sad den talk. <laughs> I'm so, so many sorry. Of them are. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, um, it, Germany was fine actually. I had a lot of friends. I um, people, you know, I was always kind of in the the group, the cool group, you know, the happy group. The in school, I was very liked. So I played it really well, I have to say. Like, um, I know I'm not a good actor, but I'm a great actor. I'm a great life actor, let me tell you. Uh, so being mixed was not a non-issue, really. That was, that was never an that issue That was never an issue in Germany. If anything, it, I, it was my advantage because people always thought I was the cool American guy. I mean, sorry, at that point, the American girl. <laughs> The cool American girl that had all the like the Nikes, the Air Jordans, the and not to age myself, but yes, um, back in the eighties, yeah, um, and the nineties, uh, I was the one that playing basketball, and so I just kind of I I cruised along very well, I have to say. Mostly hanging out with girls or boys. Mostly with girls, actually. Yeah. But I was the cool one within the girls then, you know? Like, oh, she's like the tomboy, so she was like the cool tomboy kind of thing. Was there anyone that you felt like or did talk to about any of this? Like, was there anyone that you ever even hinted or dropped a nugget or actually had real conversations with about it? No, growing up, it, it just didn't... It was such a secret. It was such a secret, and I would have died if I if somebody would have found out. Like I literally, and again, I actually was very suicidal since even at a young age, at maybe from six on. I mean, thinking about like I just want to leave this place. This is not for me. Thank you very much. I'll just the next round maybe. I was not in a good place. Um, especially when puberty hit real bad. Yeah. <laughs> puberty, the first signs of like, uh, the cycle. I mean, it's, inter it's, I mean, it's, by the way, it's, it sucks for all of us, but it's so interesting Jeez. for you, it meant so much more. Oh my God. Like in a weird way, did you feel like there still could be a chance and then that was like permanent or yeah. something? Yeah, like, I was like, if there's any way, I was praying to God, if there's any way, like, please, like, make it happen now. And then the period came. <laughs> the dark period. The dark, the darkness. And that was horrible. It was really bad. And But what was yeah. that? I mean, I, we, as the women here all have their story, right? I mean, we do. And it's like, and sometimes it's hilarious, sometimes it's bad, whatever. But for you, there's a totally different emotional layer like oh, what yeah. was that so when you got it what was like the first thing that went through your head well it was like this is the point of no return it was like yeah. now you're becoming a full-fledged woman and even thinking of that being a woman that was uh just horrible that meant boobs <laughs> that meant i don't know getting a bigger butt i don't know it just meant, <laughs> it, <laughs> It, it, it just meant so many things. It meant sexuality. It meant, oh my God, now I actually have to have a boyfriend or something in those regards where I was at that point not at all interested in 
any, any of that. I have two questions off of things you said, but one of them you hinted earlier about talking to God, because again, you have, you're talking to nobody. Yeah. So you're talking to God though. You're, you're talking to yeah. some, there's some place. Do you, do yeah. you have a diary? No, no diary. Um, but at a, a really young age, I would always look up into the stars. I know it sounds very romantic, but it wasn't really. It was more like I would look up into the sky. And I have to say, at this point in my life, I still do that very regularly. I do, um, too. I, do. I, I look up into the sky, and I would always just say, I want to go home. That's oh. all I would say. Like, I, I look at the stars, and I'm like, I, I, like E.T., <laughs> I don't know which finger he had up, but I was, I had the whole hand up. I was like, I want to go home. And, um, and so those, those are the, those were the talks with God, I guess. I would just kind of, and I grew up Catholic, so there's a whole other layer to that too. Which I also want to talk about. Yeah. And so I, I would just kind of have these inner dialogues and once puberty hit and then, from then on, it was just nonstop inner talk. Um, and mostly during the day, I was happy, Jay. I won't disclose the old name yet. But at we're getting the, there. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, but at night, I was like conversations with God. Like what's, what's his name? Da, da, um, there's a book, right? Conversations with God. There's a few, know? like Tuesdays yeah. with Maury type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I would do that. I would stay up at night, all night, and I would just um, have this dialogue. So I would ask questions, and I would get my own answers or give my own answers, and I would go through that, like, every night. Did your parents have any clue? They were clueless, clueless. They would just thought I was maybe being... Um, Moody. Yeah, moody teenager. Yeah, they would always, my mom would definitely, she was like, and these are German names, right? Matthias really likes you. Shouldn't you just like maybe go out with him? You know, I was like, no, no way. No way, Jose. Did you ever, like in this anger and frustration of like wanting to go home, and mm -hmm. did adoption ever come into play for you? Was there ever a feeling of like you were just in the wrong place or... No, the adoption part never really bothered me. Um, no, I've, I felt like, but you know what? I did, and my parents are great, but I never had the parental, I always felt, I did feel out of place, yes. I did feel out of place. I felt like, because I couldn't open up, I didn't feel I had the connection to my parents um, as parents. I didn't have that connection for some reason, and... It may have been um, the adoption part of it, or it just may have been that my parents just did not see me. They just couldn't see me, and I couldn't reveal myself to them. And so... Um, such a horrible feeling. Oh, it was, it, yeah, yes. Yeah, it was very lonely. Did you feel like anybody could see you? Um, I had friends that I always felt like I would wanted to open up to, but I never dared to, and... Um, so much later, when I did find the term even transgender, uh, I then opened up to um, one, my then best friend, uh, and she was very, very supportive and everything. So that was like the first um, person. 
but uh, that still didn't satisfy the, the actual pain that when I still had. When you look back on your childhood, is there ever a moment, ever a moment, that you remember feeling relaxed? Yeah, no, absolutely. There are definitely moments that I would just be so happy and fulfilled and um, really full of joy of, of being in some way. But those moments were mostly uh, when I didn't... Uh, yeah, when I didn't feel the pressures of being in society or being in my body, usually in nature, I was very, very happy in nature. And, um, and actually at night, sometimes when I would look at the stars, I know it sounds really corny, but it was kind of that vastness um, and that connection to the spirit world that gave me kind of this safety net, you know? It doesn't sound weird at all. It's everything you practice every yeah, single day. Well, yeah, so, yes, yes. <laughs> like Aung San Wai. So when was it for you that you finally decided to make the change? Uh, How old were you? You know, I, once I, when I, in, in Germany, I, I saw this one, uh, they have a lot of documentaries in Germany, just nonstop running on TV, and one of them in the, late 80s was about, uh, I guess, a trans, and then the term was still like transsexual, you know. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was someone who, who transitioned, and, and, I, and I was watching this with my dad. So it was really awkward, because inside I felt, oh my God, he knows, oh my God, he knows, he knows, <laughs> he knows, he knows. He sees me being really awkward, he sees me. And of course, he didn't, he didn't know. He was, you know, he fell asleep like after for five minutes. <laughs> um, but for me, it was so, <clears throat> it, was, um, it was a big revelation that I understood, oh, this is possible. Like I could actually transition. Like I could actually do this. I could actually maybe have an inkling of happiness in my life and do it. So that was the first um, time where I felt like this is going to happen. I'm going to make this happen somehow, somehow, somehow. But on the other hand, I was deeply into my depression and deeply in a suicidal mode, like big time. Um, and there was there was some. I want to say in when I was maybe 18, like kind of graduating from German high school. That was the worst of it. And uh, I kind of made a pact with, with God, basically. And I said, okay, I'm going to give this one last shot, you guys. I mean, like, I'm just going to give one more shot of trying to be female. <laughs> and, and so I went to college out here, Cal State, one of the Cal State's universities, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna give it all I got. <laughs> and I femmed Look at that shit. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> I tried to fem that shit up as good as I could. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> like it really didn't work. Um, like <laughs> the funny thing is, like I, I tried to paint my nails, and one of my my one of my friends, um, she was like. Did you paint your nails? Like she, she was, it was just too much for her. And I was like, yeah, you're right, it's too much. And then I was like, you know what? I just, I felt like I had to come out then. I was like, I have to do this. So I, I was out here and I wrote like 10 letters to my best friends in Germany. 
and coming out. And they were all just so loving and so supportive. They didn't understand what was going on because they were just like, trans what? They didn't get it. But uh, they were very supportive. And then I came home to come out to my parents. And that was interesting. Uh, but again, I, I'm very lucky because my parents were very, very supportive, even though they didn't understand, even though... So talk about it. Yeah. So when, well, first of all, tell me when you were sending the letters, Yeah. what were you feeling? Oh, I, 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 I wanted to kill myself right there because I was just horrified if um, somebody of my friends would just just cut me off or... I mean, it's, it's a, you know, for, for us... For this community, it's it's really hard. We have so many issues with self-worth. I mean, we all do. Like, you know, let's be real. All of us do. But, um, and for me specifically, it just felt like um, I'm just not worth anything. Like, I'm not worth even being on this planet. And so, no, no, it's, I know. I know, I know. it just breaks but my it, heart. <laughs> it, it, it feels that way when you're in a certain situation and... You're so terrified for being rejected, being you know rejected, and um, and terrified that your parents are never going to talk to you again, and just being alone, you know, um, it's it's the worst feeling. I think we all know that, um, just a feeling of loneliness, and so it was one of the, that step was a, a a very profound step for me. Just, but I was literally dealing with survival, like I wanted to survive. And I felt, talking to God, I was like, I know I have a good heart, like I'm not going to hell. You know what I mean? No growing up But by the way, the it's amazing church, that, I was gonna say, that's actually- In the Catholic church, it was, it was, an amazing... it was, it was really rough. I, I didn't resonate with some of the, um, some of the things that, that the church was kind of delivering. And I grappled with that. That's why I had these talks with, with God. And I was like, there's no way that I'm, I'm, I'm a bad person. So I do deserve to live. Okay, so how do I do that? Okay, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to tell them what the situation is, and I'm going to go from there. What, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. What do you think for you was that strength? Because that's a lot. That's a lot to be in a place where you're that feeling rejected and, you know, to be that low and suicidal, but know that you have enough self-worth that you want to live and this is what you need. That's a huge shift to do on your own. Like, what was it for you? Was it your connection to God? Was it? I think so. And I think it is the soul. Like, I mean, now looking back, I understand like our soul is here to experience certain things and, um, it, it really was just the soul guiding me along. It, it, it wasn't the personality or the fear-based um, But you thoughts. had the clarity to listen to it. Yes, yeah. Which we know that's usually the problem. Most people don't, especially when you're in that mm. place. Yeah, it can be a really dark place. But I, I did have enough, um, I guess, preservation to, yeah. to, to feel like, no, I, I just want to be happy. Like, I have a right to be happy in life. And so, yeah, so then I, I, I kind of came out to, I want to say, uh, my crew, like my German crew. 
and my your, family. Your girl crew. Well, I mean, there were a lot of guys there too. There were a lot of guys, but like my best buddies were always the girls. And, um, and the guys had a little bit of a trouble with that, with me coming out, let me tell you. Because some of them... Had like crushes on you, I'm sure. Because were, <laughs> were you as pretty as you are handsome is what I want to know. I don't Probably, know. Probably, right? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. But, but yeah, there, it, it, it was, no, you know what, it's, it's like you're invading their turf, really, like, guys have their, yeah, I mean, man cave, they had, definitely had a man cave, and all of a sudden, Jay walks in and's like, all right, I want to be part of your man cave, and they're like, you just, you, you got to earn that right to be in the man cave. How and, was, and I want to go back to talking about <laughs> coming out to your parents, but how was the transition as far as with your friends? Like, obviously they were supportive, but it's yeah. still, in a weird way, you seem very different to them like yeah, that, so yeah. how was that? Yeah, I came back to Germany, um, transitioned, because I, I, I started it here with hormones and the, the whole shebang, but... Um, uh, operations that was in Germany so I kind of came home as Jay but um, I was like 23 24 so f I mean still fairly young but I really looked young I looked like a 15 year old basically a 15 year old boy basically um, and uh, going through puberty with the hormones raging you know like only sex on my mind obviously and just kind of like hyper-masculine, trying to be hyper-masculine, trying to fit into the cis world, I mean, into like the normative world, society as a man. Um, and so uh, the friends were all very supportive, but it was an adjustment for them too. And for the guys too, they were very supportive. I have no idea what they talk behind my back. <laughs> I'm sure there was some shit talking behind my back, but it's okay, it's all good. And I'm still buddies with everybody still to this day. Yeah. So talk so. about coming out to your parents. The parents, wow, yeah. I thought my mother would be very, very um, animated and very, very uh, crazy, I guess. Her reaction would be crazy because she's more like the active and, uh, overly protective mother, and I thought the father would be, my dad would be um, very calm, because he's more, you know, calm guy, but it was the other way around. He was kind of like, well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I, said, I don't understand, so I don't, you know, I don't get it. And one of the things he did say, he was like, yeah, but I don't get it. Like, you've lived 23 years like this, like, you could just keep going, like, or something <laughs> like that. Like, it was like... He was like, you already lived 23 <laughs> years like this. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow if I live one more day like this. Did you say that to them? Uh, kind of, a like, little bit. Ever, he probably doesn't remember. And did it's, they ever it's, understand, like, how dark it was? Yeah, I, I tried to make it really, really clear to them that this is happening. I'm, I'm completely unhappy, and I'm going to transition and but they didn't understand they thought like well let's go to the psychologist together we'll just we'll just work this out we'll go to the psychologist my mother said you know i mean i noticed like you always bring these girls home i didn't have a girlfriend at that time but she's like you always bring these girls home and i mean you could just dress as a boy and just have a girlfriend and i was like no you don't get it you just you don't understand it's it's even deeper than that it's goes literally skin deep of feeling completely 
trapped in a body that does, does not feel right. It's really the strangest feeling. I mean, I do understand that there's, that a lot of people just don't understand because you, you almost can't have an opinion about it um, if you're not going through it. Really, it's really that simple. And it really is because it's the strangest feeling. And, um, and it's, you know, so, yeah. How, I still have so many questions for you. How has your, like you talked a lot to God, how has your version of what you, your religion, your spirituality, how has it changed? How has it shifted? Um, well, I feel it's, it's just kind of, it's always with me. So, you know, being a spiritual being and going on this kind of spiritual path it feels um, like, like it's just always a part of me. And th this, and I'm, I'm really grateful, by the way. I'm very grateful for all these experiences that I'm having. Um, because it is, it's like I'm finally finding myself. And uh, I guess through being a trans man, finding the unity and the union of my true identity and beyond gender. So really, in a spiritual sense, um, that self-love that we're all looking for, you know, I I'm, I'm really am finding that through the spiritual practices and just through me being more open to uh, spirituality in general. And... Um, and yeah, so kind of holding that space for myself to, to open up deeper and deeper. And right now, it's, it, it, there is a big shift for me happening. Um, because as you know, like I just, this is big for me to come out in a more public way. Uh, I never thought I would do this because again, I was uh, stealth. <laughs> I was under the radar for over 20 years. Like, I came out to my little group of friends, and then, and then I passed as a guy. Like, it was easy for me. I, I really have to say it was fairly easy for me to just float into society and being like, I'm one of you guys, and nobody would know. And yeah. How did that feel? I mean, in the beginning, it felt really, really good. It does always feel really good when people call you sir and... You know, you just, they leave you alone, and uh, there's no questioning of your identity. Um, and once I transitioned, I got together with my now ex-wife, but it was fairly quick that I had a girlfriend. You know, it was all very normative uh, lifestyle, basically. And that, that floated very well for quite a few years. Um, but... On the inside, there's always this big secret, and the secret builds. And at one point, I felt, since my spiritual practice was growing, and now all of a sudden I'm a teacher, and I'm teaching all of this, um, be authentic, and live your true <laughs> life, and your true self, and 
you know, all of this uh, beautiful, <laughs> all these beautiful spiritual teachings, <laughs> I felt like a fraud. Really, I did. Even though there's nothing wrong for me to just keep it to myself, that's fine. But it really felt inauthentic to, um, to, to guide people in a way into their own truth and then me not being able to share with others that I love and that are friends and know really intimate details about my life, but mm, one detail they don't know. Right, and so when you finally started owning that, yeah. talk about how the shift of true identity started changing for you. Well, um, once I felt like my soul was really pushing me, like you, you need to just, you need to open the circle what is it, the circle of trust? No, the circle of the meet the Fockers. What, what's, the <laughs> line? what's the line? I don't know. But anyway, so once I knew I had to open this up a little more, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I felt like I had a push to do that and, and just be more free in my expression of my identity and myself. What do you feel like you've learned about what identity means? Um, hmm. that's, a, yeah, that's a good question. Because it, it, it's, it's shifting still for me. Like, I want to label myself, I'm a trans man, but really, um, I mean, yes, I'm a trans man, and I feel male, I do, but at this point in my life, what I'm working on is really to embrace all parts of me. And that's really hard because, especially for the trans community, it's like if you transition, you always kind of want to push uh, the past under the rug. And Well, not all, not all um, trans people want to do that. But a lot of us, it's associated with so much pain, so you kind of want to get rid of it. You don't want to think back about your old name, your old life, and uh, the pain that came with it. So for me, in my healing process um, now, has been to go back and embrace the child, and embrace just the past in general, um, and just with so much love and compassion, and saying, no, 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 but this is, she is a part of me, like she's a part of me and um, bring that into some kind of union and then feeling really whole as that is my identity. Yes, I don't want to push away the female aspects that were um, even so painful. Well, you alluded to it earlier too when you were saying when you first came back you were being very male and you said you see that in the trans community too. I mean, can you talk, I mean, you're talking about it a little bit now, but can you talk about it a little bit more about what that means, what the balance is, trying to, it's like I just feel like in trying to find their identity or one's identity, they're almost skirting around it. Yeah. Does that I've, make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's a, a balance of finding, uh, well, finding the balance of what you, what the masculinity in you represents, like what it is that where you feel most comfortable. And we have a lot of 
uh, guys that are super manly, naturally just super manly. There are guys that have more of uh, uh, um, what you would call feminine aspects, but they're all guys. And, and we have like, there is a spectrum of all of that in all of us, I know, in all of us. So, um, and just like uh, guys in general, they're just finding their, their, their own masculinity within the group and seeing like who's, you know, what the ranks are. Um, for us, it's kind of the same. Um, and, and for me, it was, I had to like over-masculize, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then kind of step a few steps back and then find again a softness in me and that may be more of the gentle f female aspect of me. But it's a nice balance, and it's fine. It's, it's so interesting, because yeah. for, I'm sure all of us struggle with that balance of somewhat, right? Like for me, it's always like, where's my feminine more? And I know we all struggle with it, but for most of us, there's a reason we struggle kind of finding the balance from like society, from our parents, something we've learned. For you, it was mostly you shaming yourself yeah. for it, you know, which I find yeah. so interesting. It's like hard for you to embrace the feminine side because yeah. it was your own shame. Yes, yeah. And I feel like we, I mean, as, 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 a, as a community of trans, uh, trans community, it's always, um, we're, we're kind of living out the extremes, you know? So we all have these polarities, obviously, the male and the female polarities, and we're all trying to balance it out. But for us, it's just kind of amplified because we're really living it out and really trying to find that that nuance, that balance, um, and I mean, I think it's I think it's really interesting. It's really interesting for me now. It's like I'm fascinated by just this whole gender identity thing. Well, it is fascinating. I mean, especially with I know you and I have talked about kind of in the metaphysical mm -hmm. world too. How do you now, when you think about, you know, in the fact that we talk about we're all one, we're all energy. It's just vibration. Yeah. How does that resonate with you then as far as being someone who struggled with an actual container? No, that, that's exactly, um, this is the process that I'm in. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm identifying as that uh, spiritual being that holds both the masculine and the feminine. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful opportunity actually. Right now I'm, I'm in that space, even though it's still hard. And, um, you know, I'm still finding, I guess, myself, my, my, my identity, but it, I, I am longing to find the, the, the spiritual aspect of just being a spiritual being, and then the gender aspect is fine, but just um, being able to be very free in my expression, that's all, like really being... Uh, do you see a time or a future if, like I guess my point is if more of society was raised in this way of thinking from like birth on, a vibration, do you feel like that would change the transgender even being a thing? Do you feel like the container would still be an issue for people or do you feel like there's a way that depending you know, on, I don't know. do you know what I'm asking? I know, no, okay. I do, I do. <laughs> do you like, guys know what I'm asking? With, okay. with the body, you mean like with the, yeah, like with the feeling of the body? The body actually the being uncomfortable, a the dysphoria. Yes, meaning like obviously we all have our mm -hmm. own container and we're either male or female mm -hmm. how you're born. Yeah. And I totally get, but if there was, 
if somehow we were in just vibration and yeah. knowing it's vibration, but that's a hard place to be. No, we all know that. Yeah. It's a very yeah. hard place. Yeah. Do you foresee a I direction going there? Is that what you're, I know you work a lot with the transgender community now and you teach a lot. Is that a lot of, like what direction do you go with them in that regard too? I, I really don't know. I don't know. That's a good question, but I, I don't know where it's going. But I do feel that when, if society would relax a little more, <laughs> you know. In what way? Um, well, I mean, just, uh, I guess be more conscious of people that are out there that are struggling. And so that, I mean, now I see that it's opening up a lot more and the conversation is there. There's very visible, like in TV and in general, there's a lot of trans talk, a lot of gender talk. Um, and I feel if that would relax a little more and it would be a more loving society, a loving space, a little more um, open. open and welcoming, then it, I think it would be just a little easier for uh, our community to just express the gender identity in whichever form you know. Do you still get nervous sometimes telling someone, or if, is there still something in the back of your head of rejection? No, now, I mean, actually now it's been very liberating, I have to tell you. Like, Yay. so I've had so much, no, I have so much support, and so I'm, and this, I guess this was a really big hurdle for me to just come here and speak, um, because it's now, it's kind of like out there in the world, <laughs> you know. Push yeah, push, push send, and then it's out there. But, um, but now I feel so much more at ease in my body and in my being. So it isn't a big deal. And I'm, I'm really amazed how quick that could shift. Like literally from the first time when I came out to like uh, my, my yogic community and my spiritual community and a few of my friends, um, like the next day I felt so good. Like it was just such a weight off of my shoulders and that acceptance. So I do feel it really heals. It's a big healer if, um, if this community could just feel more accepted in different aspects. So we get a lot of comments from you guys about how awesome the stuff with crystals are. And I know people are just scratching the surface with it. So we've got Colleen McCann coming back. She was actually on episode 62 and the How You Can Heal Yourself panel, which was episode 68. She's incredible. And she is doing an incredible event with us. It's called Crystal Curious. It is Saturday, October 5th. It is an event from 1.30 till 4.30. It's $75. And it's an intro to like stone medicine. So everything you need to know, how you can heal with crystals, how you can build your own arsenal of crystals. You will also get some crystals, which is always fun but you're going to learn so much. Plus, she is just a blast and will keep you laughing the entire time, so it won't feel so, so serious, but you will learn as if it's very serious. So that's what's great about it. So come, have a good time, learn a ton. This event's going to be amazing, and it will sell out. So again, that's October 5th, 1.30 to 4.30. It's called Crystal Curious. Go to denmeditation.com and reserve your spot. Don't forget about our retreats. We always have so many and we have a cool one here because this is just a day long. So you can come in and out if you're from far away, come stay with a friend or get a hotel room and come do it for a day. Or if you live here, even better, it's going to be at the Den La Brea. It's September 28th with Heather Preet. It's a self-compassion retreat. As you know, she's amazing. She is our senior mindfulness instructor and she's incredible. So again, a self-compassion retreat day long at the Den La Brea from 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. on September 28th. If you're interested, go to denretreats.com. You can also check out some of our other retreats there as well. 
what advice would you give to people who are going through it? Because, I yeah. mean, it's, it's like, you know, you started this saying you never felt seen, like no one saw you, mm -hmm. your parents didn't see you. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you finally let yourself be seen, everyone mm -hmm. sees you and loves you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what advice would you give to people who are still just in that? I mean, you know, for some people, and again, like I was just at this beautiful, um, I want to say boys camp, because it, it was, it was like a boys camp, but it was for trans guys. And um, three guys, amazing guys that put this on, like I think four years in a row now, or four times in a row now. And um, we just get to be boys, like out in nature. And it's kind of like reclaiming your boyhood. And all of the guys, there were like 130 trans guys there, and all of them with such huge hearts and very sweet, very loving guys. And everybody at different stages, like different ages from really young teens to, to 70 year old, like, I mean, just everything there. And, um, and I feel some of the guys, you know, they, they're in places not like Los Angeles where it's um, very accepted. They're like in the deep south and they're literally scared for their life to walk into the wrong bathroom and, or just really scared. And so um, the greatest thing would just be just to not have that fear, just not, you know, fear of survival and really understanding that um, the love and the self-love can be, can be cultivated. Like I'm really going through this whole self-love thing and, and I understand now, even at that camp, it was really hard for me at that camp. A lot of things came up for me emotionally and I went really deep and I, for the first time I did journal, like I never journal. Um, but I wrote really specific things down because I am very hyper aware of my, uh, of my thoughts and I'm hyper aware of, um, of my behavior patterns and all these things. And I kind of like, I went back and, and traced it back to like this one basic thing. And I mean, I have to say it, 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 it comes from abandonment issues, not the trans part. Adoption? But yeah, and feeling unloved and feeling rejected. And, um, and uh, so for me, um, the self-love needs to come in. So I have to cultivate that to just not feel abandoned. And Do you yeah. think, it's so interesting, do you think the abandonment issues are from subconscious knowing, or do you think it was from mm. the six months of in-between? I don't like, know. Like, it's interesting, actually. I don't know. Maybe there's statistics on, on really, on adoption yeah. on, and on um, of when, you, when the baby is given away. And I love my biological mom. I've, I connected, reconnected with her, and all is good, and, and we're, we're best buddies and everything. And I, I have zero um, regrets or anything about that. But subconsciously, and child it, there's, there's a wound. There's a deep wound there that I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with, yeah. So. Do you believe you choose your, your life? Um, ooh, now we're getting into deep, deep, eh, why not? deep philosophical. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Um, hmm, I have, I guess, two thoughts on that. 
One, I feel like we're not in control. I know we've had this conversation before, um, one of my students. Uh, I feel like things are already kind of laid out. At the same time, we're living in this third dimensional space where there are choices and there are um, things we can do. And um, so I, I, I waver back and forth because sometimes I feel like, yeah, I can totally, you know, um, create my life. It's like the, you know, the thing of we're all creators, creators in our own, um, you know, we have, we have, we can, you know, have our destiny in our hands. At the same time, I feel like it's, it's all in God's hands, basically, and I just have to show up. But I do have to do the work in some way. You know, you have to do something. You have to, like, put one foot forward so that it can be provided for. So, I don't know, that's, uh, it's a tricky little, that's a tricky question. So, I want to get back to kind of a little bit of your details. Yeah. So, you call it birth mom, what do you call bio mom, birth mom? I mean birth mom, yeah. Birth mom? Yeah, my birth mom. You only reconnected with her after you became a boy, correct? Yes. So, what was that like? That was I mean, think about it from her point of view. It's like, last she knows. She's like, like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, I'm confused. I remember this differently. <laughs> She's like, hold on. It's a big moment for me, but I could have sworn it was a girl. <laughs> yeah, she was, I'm sure, very surprised. <laughs> she was very surprised. No, you know what? I thought, like, I always wanted to find out, because people n never understood, like, what my roots were, and when I said, "Oh, I'm 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 black and white," you know, and they'd be like, "Yeah, but really, what what are you?" You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> so the biracial thing. Um, I wanted to dig deeper. I wanted to see. I didn't even really thought I would want to connect to my biological parents, but um, I found out where I was adopted from, and I. I needed to fill out like a stack. It was like at least, I don't know, 20 pages long, like a psychological uh, kind of exam, so to speak, so that they understood that I'm not crazy and that I didn't want to get back at the birth mom, you know, for giving me away. I do understand all of that. So it was fine. I filled it out. And like a month later, I get a, a message in the mail. I get like a letter saying like, yeah, she would love to get in contact with you. The birth father did not, which is fine. That was a little bit of a taboo, I'm sure, because I think he already had Another a family. family and, you know, didn't want to shake the boat there. But she was all game. And so we wrote each other and wrote each other, and then eventually we called each other, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. When did you tell her you were Jason? Well, she knew right from the get-go because oh, I had to fill that out, you know, in a certain way. And I had to write my story a little bit in, in that way. And then I sent pictures, too, so <laughs> it was <laughs> fairly obvious, <laughs> you know. And no, she wrote me back very sweet. She was very supportive. Um, and, yeah, it was, it, this is, 
I don't even know, this is years now, so that we've been seeing each other every year. She comes visits and wow. yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a beautiful connection. So ex-wife. Ex-wife, yes. Julia. Big topic, yeah. <laughs> you, you knew her for a long time. Yeah. So what's the history there? The history there is uh, we, we grew up together. So I was 16. She was like 15. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the end of a song. I know. And um, I was still a girl. <laughs> and she, we just, we saw each other uh, and we just immediately connected. Like I, I looked into her eyes and I knew that I loved her. I mean, I had this deep love for her. I wasn't in love with her, but I just, my heart just completely opened up. And we became kind of friends. Like we just, it wasn't like a big, like best buddy. But every time I would hear her voice on the phone, I would just like, it was just so, I don't know, it was just uh, very magical. Like I just loved her so much. Is she one of the people you sent the letter to or no? Yes, she was one of the people too. And she was, I mean, obviously very supportive. And she even thought, she was like, the first time she met me, she always, she kind of looked at me and I guess... In the back seat of the car, she kept looking at me. I didn't notice this, but she told me later on. She was like, I, just, I don't understand why she's not a boy. Like, she always felt like, why? She, she should be a boy. So she always saw she you. She knew. She knew, yeah. And then when I, once I did transition, like, literally six months later, like, it clicked. And it was like, oh, he's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and we like fell in love, and we were together for about 14 and a half years. Wow. And uh, we're married and everything, and, and she's still like, uh, we have a very beautiful relationship because even when we separated, it was kind of that, what is Gwyneth Paltrow's, uh, her term, the uncoupling, the conscious uncoupling? Yeah, yeah it was that. Um, and, and we, we, just, we just kind of felt like there's always a consistent, unconditional love between us. So even though we're not in a partnership, the, the love is still there. So just find a way to relate to one another in another loving way, as family or as, as just very deep um, friendship. So what was your name? Yeah, well... <laughs> I know, for a lot of trans guys, it's like a no-go. Really? It's, yes. Oh, that's a big one. Like, for any of you guys, like, if, if you meet any trans person... Because like, they don't... Explain, because they don't want you to have any hot. notion of other identity, or... Yeah, and it's just... It's, it's, it's a trigger. It can be a trigger. Okay. It can be, like, that person is dead to me. That was too painful for me. And that name brings up, like, all of this pain and... Um, yeah, and bad memories. But for me, it's like, it's just a very funny story because, well, it's also Julia, just like my ex-wife. <laughs> so, yeah, it was Julia and Julia, best buddies. <laughs> and then there was too many Julias, so <laughs> one of them decided to be Jay. You know? I love it. But no, but it, it kind of, it, it gives an even deeper background story to how, like, how connected <laughs> we really are, even at the name. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite 
We were just talking about the power of the name the other day mm -hmm. and how some say that you pick your own name before you come here. Oh. But it's interesting because I've known a couple transgender people and I knew them before too. So that's how yeah. I guess I know the name. So I didn't realize it was yeah. an issue. And it's always kind of similar. Is there yeah, something huh. to that? It's it like this be. identity that you feel like is still part of who you are? Mm, it could be. I, I mean, I... I mean, I was never a fan of my former name. Like, I always thought it was just like, okay. And I, again, it just didn't, obviously. So was Julia the name your parents gave you or your biological parents? No, my, my parents, not okay. the biological, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why I resonated with Jason and then Jay, but it just sounded happy. Jay. <laughs> I don't know. It is happy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Jason, but Jay. It just felt. It just felt right. <laughs> did you but, did you like debate it at all, or was it easy? Oh my God! You know what? Because naming it, something no, is no. hard. Oh yeah, right? it was. I, mean, I was oh going through like name books, and I was like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. I wanted like an American name. You know, growing up in Germany, I could have gone with Hans or, <laughs> or Franz. You know, like. That wouldn't have been sexy. I mean, not that Jason is super sexy, but, um, but, but you know, like, and I remember Julia, she was like, oh, maybe, <laughs> this is ridiculous, you guys, okay? She was like, maybe you should, you should, you should call yourself Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> what the? F I have the funniest story. I was like, Leroy, really? Why? And she was like, but it's the cute guy on the the um, fame on, on oh, fame. Yeah. It's Leroy from Fame. Wait, so was Julia helpful in naming you? She, she, she wasn't obviously well, helpful. That was, <laughs> but she was part of your naming. She gave me suggestions. <laughs> Actually, that was the one suggestion she you're gave. Like, you're me. like, no more from you. Please, no more. No more. No. Did you, I mean, now we've had such a beautiful conversation about you talking about owning every aspect of you, which I'm so happy you're doing because it is all so beautiful. But did you feel like before, was there any sort of ceremony, even if it was just subconscious of saying goodbye before you started your process? Um, you know, I, I, I don't really remember. I just remember I was in Los Angeles I was living at my aunt's house, so my father's sister, and um, and I, I mean, I never had any regrets. The only thing before I took my first testosterone shot, I, I remember I had like an inkling of like, I was driving on the 101 freeway, whatever, um, coming out here to Dr. Horowitz was like my main doctor at Cedar sinai yeah. But he, I mean, he was like the main trans guy doctor, um, and I think still is. But I was, I was riding in my little Ford Escort, and, and I, I just had this inkling of like, oh my God, this is happening. Like, I have to say goodbye to her. But I was so excited but at the same time so scared of like, I didn't know what was gonna, about to happen. I just didn't know. But um, I kind of quickly got over that. I remember it was like September 1st, 
year 2000 or, or 1999, okay, I forget, but I think it's year 2000. And I just kind of said goodbye on the freeway. <laughs> and bye-bye, uh, bye, bye, Julia, bye. 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 No, it was it was fine, and and um, but there wasn't a big ceremony because I mean now of course I do I would do like I would sage the place obviously, <laughs> I would bring out my pendulum obviously I would yeah see I I would do a whole thing, um, I would meditate for hours but at that point I was still <laughs> I wasn't quite in my spiritual practice yet, so it was just bye bye on the freeway that was it. When did your practice start for you? It started with, uh, well, going back to, you know, the ex, Julia, um, when she was very sick. She was deadly sick, and she started going to uh, yoga classes. And she was depressed for, like, nine months or a year, and she had a very harsh um, autoimmune disease. And so... She came back from a kundalini yoga class and she smiled for the first time and she laughed for the first time. And I was like, okay, you're on to something. I'll try it too with you. And that's kind of when it really started. Like before, I, I, I do feel myself as a spiritual person and I'm always, you know, but um, that kind of jump-started the whole uh, process of, of going deeper into a spiritual practice. Before we get into your four yous, like, what advice do you have for anyone? I'm not even just talking transgender, just for anyone who's just grappling with identity. And I feel like we've all been there because identity means so many... Th I mean, you and I were just talking about it before, getting older and struggling with that. I mean, that's yeah. identity too. So yes. it's in general... What is your advice now that you've literally been through the ringer of so many versions of it and a huge one? What can you tell people? I mean, for identity, I always feel um, that, I mean, for me, again, it's, it's always, it's very basic. Like, I feel, I mean, identity is such a big thing, but it always comes down to just um, this, the self-love and the self-care. And... Um, holding yourself in that space of self-reverence, really. But we all struggle with, with um, fitting in and, uh, you know, as a man or as a woman or how we should be and, uh, and fitting into society's norms. And so for me, I'm trying to break all of those norms. I'm literally dismantling all of my own masks and just going really raw into your own essence. So no matter what your outside identity is in this world, but um, really just finding that pure, pure essence of, of you as a, a, a spiritual being, you know? So when someone's really dark, like you said you were suicidal for years, mm. But again, I'm really impressed because you always did have this compass that helped guide you. What would you tell people to do or lean towards or is there anything to help I get mean, them you out know, of there, that? Yeah, I mean, nowadays there are so many beautiful support groups and there are places that you can go to just find community. And I do feel community is a big, big aspect. Like I didn't even know that I was missing a trans community because again, I was... Um, I was just living the normative life for so long, but being understood 
by someone who's gone through exactly the same thing um, is, is really a, a, a deep support and, um, and very healing. So depending on whichever situation you're in, um, I do feel finding some kind of support group in that way. Now, except for Julia, was there anyone mm. that when you did come out, say like, that totally makes sense? And part of the reason I'm asking that question is because so much of what you describe being this happy on the outside, it just reminds all of us that you never know what's going on with yeah, somebody. You never know, you don't know. And it's like, you were dark. I mean, it's yeah. like you were cool, calm and collected yeah, yeah. out there, but you're literally saying that at night you were begging for like, yeah. To survive. To survive. Yeah. And it's just such a good reminder that, like, you, you know, kids are going back to school now. Yeah. So, like, with the bullying, with just mm -hmm. anything, or even if you have kids, that reminder of, like, mm -hmm. we may think we know what's going on yeah. with them, but we, you don't. No. And it's just, I mean, that's one thing that keeps resonating for me when you're talking is just this, part of the reason you're alone is because, like, no one just had any way to help or even know. But it's just, on the flip yeah. side, like, we don't even realize how alienated sometimes people feel. Yeah, we don't because we're very, um, we, we like to see what's just, yeah, just on the superficial side, on the outside, and we, we're happy to just take that, good or bad. But um, I do think it is, it's important to, to get to know each other, yeah. It, it's like as simple as that of just in communication, we, we don't have great communication, <laughs> I feel, like in, in general with, um, in our relationships, there's always miscommunications and I feel having a sense of um, being a little more subtle within ourselves, but being very sensitive towards others and putting ourselves in other people's shoes and and kind of digging a little deeper into our friends and our our coworkers and in general our community of what really is going on on a deeper level and really being concerned. Um, but the thing is we're always so observed with ourselves. I mean, that's what it is. Like we're always in our head. I always feel like, I mean, just as, as random as if you're teaching a class and and you, you, you think absolutely this one new person, like they hate this class. You know what I mean? Like they're from the outside, they look like they really do not like you and they're having the most horrible time in your class. And then those are the ones that come up to you like, oh my God, this changed my life. <laughs> And they come up to you and you're like, wait, did I, I completely read that wrong? I don't understand. Like, what? So you just don't, you never know. So just being very open to, like non-judgmental in, in certain instances and, and just being open to, to people and making them feel welcomed to come to you. Like, um, I, if I, I feel like if I would have... Um, had someone where I really felt comfortable with and I knew I was safe, I think I could have opened up, but I just didn't feel that. So I just kept on the charade, you know? That's huge. That's huge for us all to know. Like, we yeah. can be that person for someone if we're slightly more aware. Yeah. He is doing a workshop on October 5th called mm. Ultimate Self-Love. Yeah. So, I mean, it fits this perfectly, so it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Let's do your four yous. 
So what does your perfect day look like? Don't, Ooh, don't okay. cheat. <laughs> I'm trying to cheat to <laughs> see the questions. My perfect day. Ooh, you know what? Actually, it's um, nature in, is involved. Nature, being in nature, and um, having an amazing conversation, maybe with a friend. Um, having at least three hugs from someone, like real hugs, not <laughs> the patting on the back hug. Um, and being feeling feeling good in my body. So anything that would make me feel really good in my body and very grounded. Uh, and then just a really good Netflix documentary. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What is like some obsession of yours, something you cannot live without? Oh, uh, chocolate. Nice. Yeah. Look at I, that I didn't, face. I know. I didn't, I didn't really realize that I had a sweet tooth until like it was way into like you really have a sweet tooth. But <laughs> yeah, good chocolate. I mean, I grew up with chocolate like all around. Germany has the best chocolate, so I can't, you know. Favorite book? Ooh. You know, this is a, oh, a strange one, okay? Um, actually, there's two because it's like, it's a two-part thing. It's from Drunvalo Melchizedek. Do you know Drunvalo? Um, it's The Flower of Life from Drunvalo Melchizedek. It's a bizarre book, but it's very, it's, it, isn't it, it goes. A channel? Isn't he, doesn't he channel? I mean, he doesn't, cha he, he, he does, but he just has this strange knowledge of all kinds of stuff. And, um, and yeah, it's all about the flower of life and sacred geometry and all kinds of like spiritual out there um, topics. Um, so I kind of can guess this one, but mountains mm. or beach? Ooh, beach. Oh really? Mm -hmm. I would have said mountains. I know. I don't know. Uh. I love, I love, no, I love the mountains. I do. No, I don't do change love your mountains, answer. But be you. <laughs> no, no. I, I love the mountains, but I just love the beach. I just love the, the water. You are amazing. I mean, right? He's amazing. Aww. And I am so honored that you shared your story so openly Thank and you lovingly. So much, Tal. And there's so much all of us. I learned tonight and so much yeah. we can all take from it and I hope you continue to share it because I don't think you realize how helpful it is for those who not only are going through it those mm -hmm. who just are confused about anything in their life and also those of us who want to help yeah no and I'm so thank you thank you Tal for for uh, taking the chance on me and um, I love you. and yeah I know I, I I feel like this is kind of a beginning for me to just put it out there into the world and just see if um, I can help in any way, shape, or form with. Anybody. You can. Yeah. We're going to do the Q&A. I want to remind you, he is doing that workshop October 5th, which is going to be incredible, because if there's anyone who's now exploring so deeply about self-love, it's you. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you. So let's give him a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Sir. And he'll do, he'll do his meditation and, yeah. and he'll do his meditation and personal practice after the Q&A. I want to talk about a Dentox Live. We have Shaman Jurek coming back, but this time we have him live, and it is for his book launch. How exciting is that? He's coming out with Spirit Hacking. You're going to want this book, and you're going to want it signed by him, and you're going to want to ask him a ton of questions, and this is the best place to do it. So make sure you go to dentoxpodcast.com, go to Dentox Live Events, and reserve your space, reserve your ticket. Again, it's October 19th, 7 p.m. at La Brea. See you there. So who has any questions? Uh-oh. 
like nobody I know <laughs> everybody's like I mean, you're really putting me on the spot now. It's a good but question. yes, that was absolutely, I felt, I, I almost felt like an intruder. It was very strange for me to be in a girl's locker room. Um, I felt very out of place. I felt very inappropriate. <laughs> I felt like a voyeur, I did. And I may have peaked once or twice. Um, yeah, I, 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 I felt like, I felt like uh, they would discover me. And just by my behavior, I just felt so inappropriate and awkward just being around um, girls. Well, thank God they didn't run and flee. They, and I don't think maybe maybe I did get caught once or twice, and it was like, ugh, you know, um, girl looking at me. The women look at women too. Yeah, I'm sure. Right? Am yeah. I know that's true. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, because. Well, I wasn't aware of the hunters thing yet. <laughs> But, but you know, but in puberty, absolutely, growing up, I just, I, I felt like I just, I wanted a girlfriend, and I wanted to, you know, and so it was very awkward to have, like, the person that I was kind of attracted to, like, taking her clothes off next to me, and I just could like, it was, it was too much. It was, it was quite, um, it was quite awkward. Yeah. Money. Yeah. A very handsome one. Oh, thank you so I like much. to tell him how hot thank he is all the so time because isn't he like one of the hottest guys you've ever seen? I get <laughs> I get uncomfortable with that too. But Are with you? compliments with compliments I In do. General? I get uncomfortable with compliments, you but I'm compliment trying. Compliment your soul and how lovely you are. Oh, Does that make you uncomfortable that too? That too. Any any compliment, like it's it's a whole thing. It's like a, it's you know I'm I'm opening up to receiving all of the love that I can get now. I'll so, keep working on it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but yes, it's um, mm, see. I mean, I've been I was together with Julia for so long, so. Uh, yeah, when do you when do you uh, kind of disclose? I'm I don't know yet because I'm not yet in that position. I I have not yet had to disclose that to someone. Um, Is that, that I'm out of fear? Um, like, do you want? I'm sorry, Monique. I'm jumping on your question. No, no, do it. Do, do it. you want to be dating and out there, or is there something that's no, 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 no? I think no. I think now it's um, a lot easier. I think now I'm more comfortable. And just 
I don't know if it's going to be on the first date or if it's going to be, I don't know, I don't know, but it'll, it'll be a lot easier. I know. My name's Jay. I'm trans. Hi. How are you? Let's just, you know, clear the air. Let's just clear the air. Yes. So, you know, now everybody, I just, I just give them the link to this podcast. <laughs> By the way, that's exactly what you should do. <laughs> just be real. Do you want to be in a relationship? I do. Um, I feel like things have opened up a little more, so I, I'm ready to explore more um, relationship, sexuality, everything. Um, and so I, I, I just don't, I don't know if I date well, as in like, I'm going to go on this dating app. I was going to say Grinder, but that's not the dating app. It's a one date, date app. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't, I don't know if I would do well on one of those dating apps. So it would, it, I hope that would just come more naturally, just meeting someone, seeing someone, and locking eyes, and that's it. Um, but no, I'm, I'm definitely open. I'm open for... I'm open for action, you guys. Yeah, don't, don't start with that. <laughs> yeah, let's not go too far I'll with, lead that. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Yes, absolutely. I do think so. Um, not, I mean, just, yeah, being trans in general, I feel it, it kind of puts you into that very condensed space of having to figure things out and questioning everything, questioning life, questioning, um, yeah, questioning life. And so while questioning life, you're, you're questioning God and you're questioning how society is and, and so it all kind of uh, built the foundation for um, my spiritual growth, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question, yeah. especially back then. It's true. <clears throat> I kind of did feel that way. Uh, I, I did feel like um, 
the boys were allowed a lot more leeway with a lot of things. And it, it wasn't that I wanted that. It was overshadowed by I just wanted to feel in my body. I just wanted to, f you know, be in the right body. Um, but yeah, there was some jealousy a little bit of like, why did they get to do that? And like, they get to act out and do whatever they want to do. And, and us girls were kind of like reprimanded um, for, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And then, but, but, but on the other hand, it did, it was overshadowed a lot just by the feeling of um, not being in the right gender. It just, um, just overshadowed everything on top of that, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I mean, a, a meditation is obviously a big part of my life. And um, being in a sort of meditative state um, or uh, going into the compassionate self-love state of really, you know, I, for me, I have to like baby myself, basically. I have to talk to myself like I'm a three-year-old or a five-year-old. And that's kind of my way of, of creating this self-love because I'm trying to build that relationship to the past and to the hurt, wounded child. And so um, when I come up with uh, different aspects of, of understanding the behavior patterns that are linked to this wound, I, I have to talk to myself very, very lovingly, very compassionately, um, and kind of talk my way back into it's going to be okay. And so I do that a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm constantly like, okay, Jay, come here, you know. But, <laughs> but I, I do it quite a bit. Um, whenever I, I see... Uh, the the negative spiral happening of the self-doubt and the fears and the self-loathing and all of that kind of thing come up, I, I, I cut it. I, I cut that thought first. It's like, no, 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 hold on, hold, wait. No, that's not a part of you. That's not your purest essence. And then I, I, I talk my way back into um, a more supportive state of being, I guess. And then meditation just helps me too. It just um, kind of neutralizes everything. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, it, but it goes, goes back to like the self-worth. And um, yeah, I do. I, I often just don't feel worthy of certain things or I feel like, oh no, no, that's too expensive for me. Like I shouldn't even. And um, or 
uh, no, I can't ask for that. Like, I, I don't know if I deserve that. And I'm very aware of that. And that's another thing that I'm, I'm working on switching and, and, uh, and cultivating again, self-love, self-worth. Being, taking up space. Like I think a lot of uh, trans guys specifically have that issue because males in society take up space. <laughs> you know, it's true. It's like guys take up space, you know, there's, there's no question. And um, there is still the underlying aspect of that a female shouldn't take as much space, you know? Yeah, so, um, so I'm, not that I want to take up a lot of space, but just the amount that is, like, feels right to me and that feels, like, worthy enough of me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, no, I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I hear you. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. And, uh, that's that's the whole part of the the, the uh, body dysphoria that we as trans guys and girls you know go through, and so I don't know. For me, yeah, it was I, I was in tune with my sec sexuality, let's say, as in like pleasure or whatever. Um, and yeah, when you're in that age, it's like it's all about hormones and and. Um, fantasy and sex and I guess that's still for a lot of adults that way but um, it was strange because we would have I say we because I'm assuming that a lot of trans guys have this you have this fantasy of what your body should look like or feel like and then you kind of live that out in a certain way sexually but it's not that satisfying because it's not the real deal. And so, it, yeah, it's very confusing when you're growing up. It's very confusing, but, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. What it, <laughs> yes. Yeah, what does it do to you when you're in that phase? What does it do to you subconsciously, like emotionally, like you're talking about all this self-love and also self kind of rage and hatred and not liking it when you're touching yourself and yeah. it's exactly what you don't want. Is, a pro yeah. is there any negative effect to it also? Like does it put you darker in some you know, ways or no. no? Or do the hormones just take over and at that point it's no, just... No, I don't think it, it didn't go darker for me, Sorry. but it was just, 
it's just a very, it's a strange state that you're in because you're in kind of this no man's land of not rea not non-reality. It's just fantasy. You're kind of in fantasy land when, you know, and even uh, uh, with a partner, you know, like um, it was, uh, I mean, Julie and I had a beautiful relationship and intimate relationship and everything, and she was totally fine with my body as it was um, or is, but uh, I, for me, it was hard because I couldn't be with her. I only had top surgery, okay? So um, no penetration down there. So I would always, we would, we would have to be inventive. But still, it's like you're living in this fantasy world of how it should feel and how it should be, and all you want to do as a male is, is you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, sexually, yeah, uh, I guess for a lot of us, we're constantly in that more of the fantasy land. And now I'm really getting into my body and really, uh, really liking my body all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> not all of a oh, sudden, but it's, it's like I'm accepting more and more m my body as it is. And yeah. Do you, and do you feel like as society changes what you were saying, if we could soften and be more accepting, do you think part of that is because it is like gender roles, like guys are supposed to do this, girls are supposed to do this, you come together this way. If it can be more fluid, do you feel like that would help someone who's younger and not yet? I mean, you're already yeah. in the process, but someone that's younger be able yeah. to feel it differently or I not have to I live so, so abstractly? I do hope so. I hope that it would uh, uh, soften um, and, and soften in a way that we could just be more playful with what, what we do have. What we have, and just, yeah. yeah. And um, be a, a little more accepting of what we do have, even though there is a deep dysphoria. Like, I mean, with, with our community, it's just there's a deep gender dysphoria. Like, I would run around with, like, a sock in my pants because that actually felt like that was right. Like there was, there was a weight to, <laughs> to my groin that was supposed to be there. It was just, it's, I know it sounds weird and it sounds like a fetish or something, but it's not, it's real. It's like in your body, in your cells, what it feels like. And uh, growing uh, a chest, a breast, breasts, it was just, it was just weird. Like these objects that were just not supposed to be there. It's so that's interesting. You're saying there's something so ingrained physically and just nature-wise yeah. that like you felt like you needed weight there and the weight yeah. there was awkward, that it actually wasn't necessarily societal thinking or yeah. what was taught to you. It was like yes. just primal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it's this, it really is a very interesting, put it lightly, an interesting feeling of this dysphoria and it's not a good feeling, but it's, um, you just can't describe it, really. Yeah. But I mean, it's so, you're, I think you're helping a lot of us who have no clue at least understand it a little bit better. Anyone else? Shan?
Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, I do feel very, very blessed. I really do. And I feel very grateful. Um, and all, with, within all of these, these little, uh, just these different little steps in my life, it just feels like it was very guided in a beautiful way. And even though the pain was really excruciating, but I, I do count my blessings and I do know I, I was supported all along with, um, in so many aspects. Um, and because I've, I've heard so many stories, you know, like it's crazy, like 130 guys and you have so many different stories of their life and their wounds and their pains and their struggles. And, and I just, I don't know, I just feel very lucky. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, my my mother didn't have a lot of family, and my dad's family again, a lot of them are here. So my uncle is out here, my aunt's out here, and while I was tra transitioning, I did I had their support. I was living with my aunt as I was transitioning, and. Um, I mean, we're a kind of a tight-knit family, so they're very, um, it's like family above all kind of thing. So I was very lucky in that too. And uh, the little cousins, even though in the beginning, um, I know my aunt didn't really want to tell my cousins because they were very little. But afterwards I found out like they knew. Like, I mean, you know, like, they knew, um, and and so you you don't know like the kids. Kids are really really open. They're really pure, and they get it. Um, oh God, I don't remember. I think there was like three cousins. So one was maybe eleven. Maybe one was fourteen. One was eight. I don't I don't remember. But like preteen kind of stage, but. But kids get it, and they don't, they just, they're open. Um, but before I transitioned, I, there was a time in L.A. where I was, like, tutoring kids. And it was, I had just started hormones, and I was still tutoring kids as Julia. <laughs> and my hair was kind of not super short, but, like, ambiguously short, I guess. Um, and... Uh, Every morning, the, these kids, these really little kids, they would like look at me and then do their homework. And then they would look at me and do their homework. And then new kids would come in and they're like, are you a boy or are you a girl? Now, did you appreciate that or hate it? I hated that. I was like, you little fucking fuck. Because it was like outing me 
and like my face went red, probably, even though you, like I don't blush really. But um, the, the coworker that was sitting next to me, she thought it was hilarious. Like she was like, oh, these kids are so funny. I'm like, yeah, real funny. Like real funny. Not to, it was not funny to me. So what I had to do was every morning before I left to work, because my voice was starting to drop, and so I would have to counter the effects of the testosterone, and I would have to like put on this higher voice and like, you know, and just to pretend like I'm still Julia. <laughs> And so it was this. It was this thing until like after three months, I just couldn't. I, I it just it it was not working, and I had to say bye bye to that job, <laughs> and then cut the hair off. And then from then on, it was it was it was very easy. Like from the first day on, people were like, "Oh, sir," and "Oh, this young, let this young man come." You know. That's interesting. That was your teetering moment mm-hmm. of like when you put your foot in that door. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Tough times. You're saying, how did you manage? I know we're like talking about beauty and wrinkles and gray hair, and but what would you mean um, during the transition as as I was transitioning? Yeah, because you, you don't want to. Yeah. 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 That that's the hardest part. Yes, like during transition in those early years of transition. Um, No, I wasn't there yet. Like, no, this was not my spiritual days. <laughs> this was, this was me. Um, I mean, this was me just kind of wanting to be like, wanting to be as fit as you. Like, I yeah. Like I was like that dude. I want to be like that dude. And I mean, scrawny, skinny ass me. You know, lifting those five pound weights. <laughs> you know. It wasn't a good look, but I, yeah, I was I was trying to hyper-masculinize. I was just trying to like work out and do this and like cut the hair short and just very. Did you talk differently? I did. I tried to talk like dudes. <laughs> like I really tried my best to be the best dude I could be. <laughs> yeah, like I was trying to bro it up real hard, you know. And, and I would have to get cues from other guys. So then I really honed in of like just watching the behavior, just like sitting back in the cut, just looking at like how you're sitting, like how, just taking up space, just taking up space. <laughs> just like a little, you know, a little thing in the groin. Just do something that like signals like, no, 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 I'm a dude, you know? And that was my process for quite a while until... I don't know, until it just vanished, until it just like relaxed. And I was just like, wait, this is way too much work. <laughs> you know, it was way too much work, but um, I kind of found my groove a- after a while. And then I had, ju- I had, you know, I had a girlfriend and it just, I don't know, it just, uh, it just fell into place of 
being more myself. Mm -hmm. You wake up after a month and <laughs> it's, it's a crazy ride, really. It really is crazy because the hormones are so intense. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's like the hormones are really intense. So, and for guys, like you immediately go into puberty, like just, just stuff happening with your face. Um, weight, uh, weight gain, but like muscle gain. And because I was, I mean, really skinny, I was like model skinny, skinny, um, or athletic skinny, like athletic. But uh, yeah, athletic. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> but all of a sudden I was like feeling just a, heavy, a heaviness in my body. It felt good, everything felt good. And then the biggest part is yes, the sexual urges and like stuff down there, there starts growing. Um, do we have to get technical? Should we get medical? I'm fine with it. It does. Not great. Not a lot. But, <laughs> but it does. It starts growing. And it's very sensitive. So there's like, there's just all this, just all this stuff that starts happening to your body where you're like, I'm a teenager. And everywhere you look, you're like, yeah, I'd like to do her. Or like, yeah, I would love, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Non-stop. Um, and then event, like a dude, like, like a dude, like a just a regular boy. dude. Um, uh, but that does start happen. So it is kind of strange when like women are like, could you just stop with like the, the, the gawking and the, and the sexual and all that stuff? But there is a hormones are really powerful. But you were with Julia at the time, right? Yes. So yeah. did that help like get you guys sexual? I mean, if you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes, of course it did, yes. Yeah, no, it was all, it was, it was, it, it was, it was a magical ride, yes. <laughs> you had a question back there. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, it's a public restroom question. Public restrooms, it's a big issue. And way back in the day, um, yeah, there were definitely no um, all gender, <laughs> all gender restrooms. There were definitely none of that. So, but see, I did that switch pretty quick, you know? Like I went from like teaching kids and being, you know, this person to like, I'm a guy. And it was very scary for me. And I think it is for, for all of us, um, that transition that first time you go into a public restroom. I was gonna say, so the first and, time you walked in, did you feel like oh God. people knew? Like, Yeah, I was like, head down, you're a dude. Head down, don't look at anybody, just go to the stall. Just go into the stall. But that's very scary. Still to this day, not scary, but it's, it's an issue because I can't go to a urinal right. and I need a stall. <laughs> and if there's nothing available, you're just kind of like, yeah, pretending like you really need to take a big, <laughs> you know, and yes, yes, yeah, it's a quick <laughs> in and out, but, um, 
But yeah, it, it, it was strange in the beginning because I didn't know the gender norms. I didn't know how guys act in a restroom. There's specific, you know, yeah. Like women go to mingle, I guess. <laughs> it's all about the chatty caddies in the restroom. And so what it's like, oh my do? God, look at your lipstick. Like, just imagine me walking into a restroom like, dude, love that belt. Yeah, man, yeah, you rock that. Let me see, can I just touch that? You know, like you just can't go into a men's restroom. Like there's all these, all these different behavior things that you have to be, and I was not aware of it. So I was just like, okay, just head down. And that's what most guys do. They don't just, they don't want you to look sideways. They don't want, they don't want any chit chat, but I'm a friendly guy, so. <laughs> It was really hard for me. It really was. Like, I, I, I walked in there with a big smile. <laughs> I walked in the restroom with a big smile sometimes. I know. Like, you know, somebody, I mean, I was just friendly. Like, you just say hi. But they looked at me like I was crazy, you know? Like, I was crazy. Yeah. I mean, so. these are the things we don't think about that I'm so glad you're sharing. I mean, it's just... No, you share them very well. It's true. Anybody yeah. else? <laughs> that was a great question. Anyone else? I mean, I'm very excited for your meditation, but I can speak for everyone. We love you so much. And I know self-love is something you have to do on your own. Like, we can't help you. But, I mean, I wish I could because I wish you could know. I mean, we all just love you so much. And when you told Thank me, you, the first thing for me, and I know you remember it, is just the pain I felt for knowing you were in pain. That's the only thing that went through my head. It was never like, huh, what? It was like this overwhelming sadness that my friend hurt so badly at some point in his life, you know? Oh, so, so and I know I'm not alone in saying that. So just know that if that helps at all. Oh, it does. It okay. does. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank, you. Thank you so much. He's great. Okay, so I can't wait for your meditation. He is going to lead us in a five to ten minute yeah. meditation, self animosity. to do a little self-animosity meditation. Um, I know that sounds very harsh. <laughs> self-animosity. Like, we're cultivating it, but we're not. We're going against the self-animosity. And it's a really, it's a very basic kundalini breath uh, meditation um, that really, it's, it's a support for your core self. And it kind of cuts through uh, it cuts, cuts through some of the self-sabotage that we do. Um, and it goes deep into the self -con uh, subconscious mind. So whatever needs cutting, it gets cut. So it's a really basic one that you can do just for three minutes or 11 minutes or whatever, how many minutes you have time for. But, um, and it's a very, very calming breath. So let's see. I know it's hard to do this with my microphone, but um, we're going to play. And most of you know this one because I see all of the Kundalini people in the round. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to show you what the posture is and then we'll do a little tune in with the mantra. And then we'll do it for about. Do we have a timer? No, or I'll, OK, it's OK. I'll just look here. OK. So your hands are going to be in little fists, but the thumbs are popped out. Yes. 
and then the knuckles come together, and the base of the palms come together, and the thumbs on the sides, they touch, and they, they kind of go backwards. You're stretching the thumb back, thumbs back, good. Yeah, and it's very relaxed at your uh, diaphragm area. Yes, good. Now, that's the posture, but before we do the actual meditation, let's do a little tune-in with the mantra. So let's bring the palms into the prayer pose, so just right at your center of your chest, and let's take a nice deep inhale through the nose, inhale very deeply, and then exhale all the breath out. And then one more time, very deeply inhale, and exhale. Now relax your breath and just kind of come into the center of yourself. And we'll tune in with the Kundalini Mantra that we always tune in with. It's, it's five words. Ong Namo Gurudev Namo. It's just tuning yourself into your own wisdom but also connecting to that creative force, connecting to all of the divine beings connecting to your ancestors, your guides, your teachers, your masters. And so we'll chant this on one breath, and we'll chant it three times. So here we go. Let's inhale and begin. you to just inhale very deeply through the nose, very slow, and then exhale through the rounded mouth. And inhale through the mouth. And exhale through your nose. Inhale deeply through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. Inhale through the mouth. Exhale through your nose. Inhale nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale through your mouth. 
exhale nose. Inhale deeply through the nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale nose. Inhale nose, very slow. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale nose. Inhaling nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale nose. Inhale nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale nose. Inhale nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale nose. Inhale nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale nose. Now go deeper with it. Inhale nose very deeply. Hold the breath a little bit. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale mouth. Inhale nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale nose. Okay, last round. Inhale nose. Exhale mouth. Inhale mouth. Exhale 
and exhale nose. And now relax your breath for a moment and just observe yourself. Just observe your mind. Feel the subtleties in your body. Now here, inhale really deeply, very deeply, and stretch your arms up. Just kind of stretch, stretch the energy up. Stretch, stretch, stretch. Hold the breath, though. Keep the arms up and exhale all the breath out. And once again, inhale very deeply. Stretch the spine, stretch the energy all the way up to the top of the head, to the tips of the fingers. And exhale. And now last time, last time, inhale very deeply. Inhale, inhale, inhale. And just hold yourself. And exhale. And relax the hands down. And relax your breath. Satnam. Thank you. I'm sure I messed up a few times with Inhale mouth, exhale mouth, inhale mouth, exhale mouth. I don't remember, but um, yeah, it's very calming. It's very soothing um, breath. Thank so. you. Thank, Thank you. you, Jason. Jay, the podcast is, the podcast is going to come out probably not this Thursday, but the Thursday after. So okay. please subscribe so you get it and send it to your friends. And if you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe to Talks Podcast. And like I said, Shaman Durek is October 19th here for his book launch. And you are amazing. Thank you. You are amazing. So like thank I you. always tell Tal how, how crazy um, her podcasts are so, so good. And yeah, if you haven't listened, please listen to all of her podcasts because you really you have amazing people that come. And thank you. so I'm very honored to be <laughs> one you are of the people. Very amazing. On there, so. Thank you, Jason, and we'll see you guys all up. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also, wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.